Hello and welcome back to another episode of Faking Injuries. Here at Faking Injuries, we are the American ambassadors to the beautiful game. In today's episode, we're going to catch up on all of the pertinent score lines and storylines across Champions League, Europa League, as well as Conference League. We're excited to get into it, as well as go on some customary tangents. But before we get into all that, Charlie, I know we were starting a segment called Rant Corner, but... You had a shower thought of the week. Maybe this could be a Rant Corner competitor. What's up? Yeah, I think we had the idea of naming it Rant Corner, Noah, but shower thought of the week makes more sense for this one. It occurred to me the other day why I love wearing kits, shirts, hats, polos from European football clubs, and it's really twofold. One, if someone recognizes the team I'm wearing, you usually will start a pretty good conversation about the sport, especially if it's a more niche team, which... I tend to wear, you know, we got jerseys from the depths of the Belgian league, the Russian league. My favorite workout shirt is an Austrian team. Yeah, we're like emo girls in little football supporting bodies. Exactly. So I always love to have those conversations when someone's like a true soccer fan and recognizes a Sturmgras logo. Usually know they're going to be educated on the sport. Yeah, I feel like you get a real emotional benefit out of that. But to me, as maybe co-CFO with you in the future... I see dollar signs. That's potential future investors, depending on where we run into these guys at, right? We don't have the faking injuries QR codes yet, but they're coming. And people that recognize our kits in the future, prime candidates. The second reason I really like to wear European football kits is because I like to imagine what the untrained eye thinks when they see a logo that they have no idea what it resembles. So while the Lons logo symbolizes the beautiful club in northern France to me, someone who doesn't know might actually think that I belong to a club in Lons, France, where we race cars, eat cheese, drink wine, which would be pretty fucking cool, and I like to put off that vibe. So you're actively trying to anadelvi yourself. It sounds like there's a little imposter syndrome almost. You're a guy from Connecticut, yet you're still trying to be someone you're not or someone you aspire to be. Is this like a Gatsbyism? Maybe it's just the element of mystery that I like. Here's another example. If someone doesn't know anything about international soccer and sees me wearing a Federation of Ireland hat, They might think I'm in some sort of IRA faction, and they might think twice before they hit me with a classic Midwestern, oops, sorry. This one feels more unlikely, but the concept is pretty hilarious to me in general. Yeah, you also don't want to be caught lurking around a neighborhood car bombing in an Ireland kit, right? If you find yourself wearing a Roy Keane jersey before he quit the squad, you take that shit off and run. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, that's really the only shower thought I had, but I thought it was comical and We'll continue to wear kits, so if you do see me around Chicago in the most obscure kit you've ever seen, say hello. Say what's up. Ask for the QR code. Thank you for sharing that, Charlie. That was really beautiful, and outside of the cleanliness, which might just be a secondary factor, this is why we take showers. So I don't have anything that can compete with it. I did take a shower this week. Oh, is that the first one of the month? It is, yep. (laughs) Part of the Liver King protocol that I've gotten on recently. Once he came clean about the PEDs, that's all I need to know. I feel like he'd been humbled, and it was time to get on the program. We digress. Let's get into Europe, shall we? I'm going to piggyback on a little of the Lons talk you just mentioned, because outside of Americans sporting French apparel, French 
football club kits. Really tough things are happening in that country right now. And we're talking just in the football sense here because after this week's European competitions, the playoffs saw Monaco, Rennes, and Nantes all defeated and eliminated from Europa League. So that feels like a general sweet spot for French clubs, right? PSG, maybe Lyon and Marseille in good years feel like they could compete in Champions League. But for everyone else, do what you can in Europa League or the Conference League, right? Yeah, I don't think you can expect to hit many heights higher than that. Just from a pure squad and wages perspective, you know, the quality is not on the same tier as English clubs or even German and Italian clubs. Yeah, and especially heartbreaking fashion for Monaco. Did you catch this one? I did, yeah. This one was one of a couple games that went to penalties, and they got beat out by Leverkusen in the end. They won 3-2 the first game, right? And then Leverkusen came back to win 3-2 in the second leg, taking it to penalties because they both did that away. And, oh man, yeah, totally heartbreaking for them. They deserved better, but they did get kind of dominated in the second game. Yeah, did you catch the highlights of that one? I did, yeah. Okay, because what I think I've known but had cemented for me this week was how undaunting that stadium is, right? Monaco. It's a state of extreme wealth. It's a principality, luxury. Not a lot of fucking people living in Monaco. And I'm not sure that the stadium has much capacity. It must be comparable to Bournemouth. Perhaps less the support they get. And maybe this is why they never seem to go far in European competition. It could be. You can't imagine their fan base is too great considering the demographic of people who live in Monaco as well as the people who visit. That might be the 10th thing on the list of tourist attractions when you go to visit Monaco. So you don't think the billionaires are waking up at 6 a.m. going to the pub? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not, but it's aspects of football clubs and the unique situations like this that kind of inform what we see in their transfer policy, right? Because For a lot of clubs, especially clubs without huge TV deals, a lot of their money comes from the gate. People coming through, buying shit. But at Monaco, they don't really have that luxury. So they've got to go all in on the player trading and make buku bucks where they can. Yeah, and the academy as well. I think the one bright spot you can take away for Monaco was Ben Seguir, who is an 18-year-old attacker. And I got to be honest, he's got a little Mbappe in him. Almost plays more like a Neymar, though. Likes to dribble through the center, play one-twos with people. And he's just so silky the way he glides. I think he won a penalty. I think he's going to be something special. And he was linking up so well with Ben Yedder. So that's definitely a bright spot for them. Yeah, we'll keep it moving from Monaco. But I think with Ben Seguir, they've returned to uh, academy focus because they got so much fucking money in the class of Mbappe, Bakayoko, Lamar, Fabinho, Bernardo Silva, right? They really upped their unit and swung and they missed. But I think it's under Paul Mitchell, English guy who's heading things up at Monaco, really confirmed they're going back to the academy route. A lot cheaper, and when you find a Ben Seguir, you make straight profit. Yep, exactly. Straight profit when you sell an academy player. So I think it makes sense for them to go back to this approach, considering they've burned all the money that they made from the glorious squad that made the Champions League (laughs) run and spent it horribly. If VC investors were looking at them like a startup, they would be pretty concerned with their burn multiple. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. Let's keep it moving, though, because someone on the same tier, you might say, as Monaco and Liga, 
Sadly for Wren, they suffered a similar fate in Europa League, losing in penalties, this time to Shakhtar Donetsk. That really hurts, but I guess there could be worse teams to lose to than a Ukrainian club, so good for Shakhtar. Did you catch this one? I saw the highlights, but it's a bad year for Liga clubs, as we're going to get on to, I'm sure, later. PSG not faring too well in their first leg at home. Yep, and then last of the Europa League clubs to drop out, Nantes. They lost this match 3-0 to Juventus, 4-1 on aggregate. I think they were happy to be there. They're currently in 13th place in Liga, trying not to get relegated. The players are probably more concerned with whose jersey they could swap after the game than trying to make it past that match. Yeah, that's true. They were definitely missing a Kolo Muani type presence. I feel bad for them because... Being the 13th best club in Liga, it's going to be tough to compete in any European competition. <laughs> but defensively, they were pretty solid the first game. I thought maybe they could have a shock result against Juve, but in the end, things revert back to the mean. Yeah, what can you really expect if you're not? They'll take whatever marginal revenue they picked up from just being there. We'll keep it moving in Europa League here, but one last word for Nantes. Just want to make sure they know. Guys, you got to do your best to focus on Liga on this year, being in 13th place, because to make matters worse, um, they're relegating an extra two teams this season. So there's four going down versus the usual hard two and then a relegation qualification for the third. So shit is going to be feisty there at the bottom. And this was probably a good thing for you. But that's it on France-specific Europa League. A lot of L's being doled out there. Who did you want to spotlight in this competition? Yeah, I wanted to take this to the Sporting Mitchland game because Matthew Benham's Danish team were absolutely by Sporting. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you vile boy. Keep it moving. They lost 4-0 and there's not much you can say because Sporting are playing incredible football right now and you don't expect any Danish club to really do that well in this competition. But I wanted to highlight someone on Sporting because he's been trending on Twitter like crazy Ugarte, ridiculous defensive numbers this season, like significantly higher than five tackles and interceptions. I think it's closer to like seven or eight total per game. 99th percentile for every defensive metric. But I do want to take a step back. As this book we're reading, Net Gains, has taught us, it's difficult to value defensive ability and just take the numbers at face value like a lot of people on Twitter do. There's a lot of context based on their play style, the guys around him. Not necessarily a good thing that he has to make that many defensive actions per game. With that being said, he does look like the next big midfielder out of Portugal. And as silky as the silk fake milk you had me put in my coffee this morning. I don't know if that was a veiled dig at the next milk that we drank, but I highly recommend it. A great blend of nut and other non-dairy protein sources, so... All right, that's enough nut milk talk out of you. Yep. Hey, <laughs> you used the word earlier, so go fuck yourself. I can talk <laughs> about nut milk where I want to. Um, outside of sporting Michelin, I wanted to quickly hit on Ajax because this has been a season to forget after losing Eric Ten Hag to Manchester United, the head coach. And really a whole laundry list of players, obviously a huge profit made on them, but a lot of holes left in this squad and they kind of did the IX overcommitment of being like, yeah, our academy, there's always a next man up philosophy and the next man is usually just as good as the previous man, but that has not been the case this year. And this was kind of a surprise to see them lose to Union Berlin. We thought they'd be 
one of the dark horses, even despite the struggles they've had domestically. Yeah, it's crazy to think that we typically expect them to be in the Champions League and also be one of the teams that could upset some of the big boys because that's historically what they've done over the last decade. But this year has been very disappointing for them. And you can't say you're too surprised considering the amount of talent they've lost over the past two years. If we give credit where credit's due also to Union Berlin, just holy shit, I think we've talked about them a little, but I forgot there's obviously a reason they're here in Europa League. It's because they finished fifth last year in what was seen as a bit of a flukish overperformance. But they've gone even further in this year, which is insane, right? Because they're within a few points. I think a point. I think they're fully in the title race right now, which, which is, is insane to say. Yeah. We're here for them in all competitions, Europa and Bundesliga. Yeah, they're a fun team to track. And this is actually a good transition because I wanted to talk about German teams a little bit. They continue to dominate this competition. Validating my betting thesis. Trading. <laughs> Validating my trading thesis that Bundesliga teams are undervalued in European competitions and Spanish teams are overvalued. Bye-bye, Barcelona. I took Freiburg, Leverkusen, and Union Berlin all to win the Europa League when possible. The odds for it were ridiculous for all of them. I think like plus 4,000 for some of the better ones. In case you were wondering, they all have handsome cash-out options already for me. So going to have to do some thinking on that. But if you need investment-grade betting advice... I might be your guy. Yep. Charlie's got all the products. Um, you're really an impressive market maker from everything I've seen. You work across the betting capital structure, always finding the right props, team totals, etc. I see big things in store for you on that front in the future. So really wanted to call that out because we don't give enough compliments on this show. Certainly a lot of criticism. We're bigger fans of criticism. <laughs> Last thing we have to talk about, though moving away from Germany, is PSV versus Sevilla. A tie that sees Sevilla go through 3-2 on aggregate, but that wasn't the story in the second leg. At PSV in the Netherlands, uh, late in the match, we saw a banned supporter somehow made it into the stadium, and in what was crunch time, ran onto the pitch, threw a swing at the Sevilla goalkeeper. Pretty fucking insane. And I could think of a lot better candidates to sucker punch in the back than six foot four Serbian goalkeepers from Belgrade. Yeah, if you're going to challenge a Serbian dude, you better come with heavies because that's just not going to work out in your favor. Good on him for not just beating the shit out of him after because he could have. This guy was tiny compared to the six four Serbian frame, as you mentioned, but this has to stop. I mean, how did this band supporter even get in the stadium? We're not quite sure. Let's just try not to do this more often. Stick to the flares, people. Bring as many of those as you can get, but stay off the pitch. That's all we wanted to call out from this tie. Let's go quickly to the Conference League, because we wanted to talk, not our favorite team, but maybe the most interesting team there that needs more of a profile, FC Sheriff. Yeah, they beat Partizan Belgrade 3-2 in the Conference League, coming back from a 1-0 first leg. But we can't blame them, because... You try to play in Serbia against Serbians. <laughs> yeah, that sounds pretty tough. We're not quite sure where Moldova falls on the map in Europe. At least I'm not quite sure, but we're kind of in love with this team and what they've been able to build and also what they've been able to do in Europe over the past few years. Quite impressive for a team coming from a country like Moldova. While Bob Marley might have shot the sheriff, we want to create a SPAC to acquire the sheriff. Wow, that almost brought a fucking tear to my eye, uh, thinking about trying to finance this club. 
Though, if we think politically here and just do the highest level of SWOT analyses, big threat is the fact that this club, FC Sheriff, short for FC Sheriff Tiraspol, Tiraspol is the capital of Transnistria, a Russian loyal breakaway state not recognized by any other countries really than Russia. So, weird situation there, country within a country, but no one recognizes the inner country. Might be hard, but... We're Americans. I think we can find a way. Yeah, I'm getting confused in this countryception loop we have going here, so should we just move on? Yeah, let's move on. More to research there and get our facts straight for sure before we make any official comments. Remember, this is satire. Let's take it to Champions League, though. I'll tee it to you. What were you watching? It's sad that we don't get as many that we're used to in the group stages. But I think this week's didn't disappoint. Yeah, the first big match to call out is Liverpool... Madrid because Liverpool went up 2-0 and then got beat 5-2 which is <sighs> yes pretty tough I know you don't want to talk about this too much so we'll, we'll gloss over it but conceding five in a row is very difficult to do but it just highlights the continued defensive instability at the back and their struggles this year so I was really hopeful when they went up 2-0 at Anfield feels like that's a game that they could kind of just guarantee a move on to the next round and they absolutely fell apart this might be the lowest of lows for liverpool yeah i should have bet all my fucking money 401k cashed out taking penalties where necessary because we've seen this before real madrid specifically but also just any fucking club from madrid has liverpool's number in the champions league just sadness all around we should have forfeited really nothing else to say just Real Madrid probably should bet on them too because they own this competition. It's insane. They really do. And even when they won last year, at any stage, you would say they did not look like the most impressive team in Europe. They weren't that good. A lot of the ties they won, they were most definitely the worst team by every statistic. Do you remember that insane tie against Man City, right? Didn't they win an extra time against all the odds? Man City bottled the hell out of it yeah i think man city were up two and bottled it i mean just insane we should just bet on them because they're just gonna fucking do it again despite not being that good this year or algorithmically speaking if we ever see them go down a goal in the future of this tournament just live bet them i like that i like that even more to be honest let's move out of your sorrow here with liverpool and let's go to two teams that we've really loved and highlighted a lot over the last year but one in particular, and that's Napoli. So Napoli played Frankfurt in probably the tie we were most excited for, at least me, to see, because Kolomuani going against Kovarskelia and Aussieman is just a recipe for great games. And we just want to highlight how ridiculous it is, how many chances Napoli create. 18 total shots with 10 on target against a solid defense that plays three at the back. They're the best attack in Europe, and it isn't even close. I'm just praying Kavicha, Osimen, these guys can stay healthy the rest of the season because I got my Napoli UCL winner future bet in at some great odds. I think wow. it's like plus 1500 for me. And I had a couple of friends hop on it too. I feel like that was a great bet at the time because they were, when I took it, going to win Serie A and still the best attack in Europe. I like it. Um, yeah, catching up on the highlights of this one, it's actually so different than like there's other great attacking teams on the continent man city etc but napoli's version of it 
is so different, direct. They created so many fucking chances. They could have, again, scored five goals in Europe. I feel um, like we say that every single time we, <laughs> we watch do. them play. We do. And sometimes they do score five or six goals. I know. I think they're scoring more in Europe than in Serie A, which is insane. But I'm also starting to fall in love with the role players of this team as well. Uh, specifically... I know the last name's Lobotka in the midfield. Is it Stanislav, or am I just dreaming? Yeah, close enough. I think he's Slovakian. I love this guy. He screams to me, unheralded as most people coming up domestically through Slovakia are, but realize that he can just run around, dictate shit, clean up other people's problems. And for Napoli, that is what you want. Like a do-it-all, utility Connect the back line with Kim Minjai to the front line of Ossiman and Kvaratskhelia and make tackles in between. Yeah, I feel like we went on a similar rant with Gank recently, but every single player in the squad is just doing their fucking job and having the season of their lives. Like Kim Minjai, who you just mentioned, has been the best center back in Syria. Mario Rui is like this 35-year-old left back Spanish, but he's somehow having like an unbelievable season and is core to that team and one of the leaders and then you got guys like zambo and gisa who's proved to be one of the better signings because he's an absolute stud in the midfield as well they're just awesome to watch catch as many games as you can because i would not expect this whole squad to stay together this summer no there's a big breakup in store i think they know it. it's probably getting awkward socially for them no one's acknowledging it um but hey they're gonna go win syria for the first time in how long which is going to be absolutely awesome for them congrats to them congrats to spalletti he is what their 65 year old italian manager been a lifer in the league most importantly it hit me this week i actually bought drugs from him in high school you did what kind he had a wide array like one of those overcoats each side four levels each Mm. i think it was just adderall it was finals week Ah, yeah. (laughs) Makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, he's very opportunistic, as we've seen with this team this year. But uh, no, that's all I have on this match. Should we keep it moving to perhaps the most boring tie of the week? Maybe that's my opinion, but Inter Milan versus Porto of Portugal. Didn't even watch the highlights. Didn't deserve it. No. Is it because one of Chelsea's top five assets, Romelu Lukaku, scored the goal? Oh, I did see that. Um... Yeah, I could care less. He can go in the summer for $0. Okay, um, I know that is in jest, but I think we've talked behind closed doors about the fact that somewhere in the next few years, Todd Bowley is going to have to still eat a massive L on the income statement, right? Because they got him for 90 and uh, he still got three more seasons after he returns. I checked this morning. Yeah, I think from an accounting perspective, you can tag that as an oligarch-related write-off. You know, poor decisions by an oligarch that we just are putting in a separate bucket. Okay, got it. Know? Yeah, and you can amortize those over all the years the oligarch was there. So yes, <laughs> I yes, like it. Yeah. Safe to say that suffices for all things on Inter v. Porto. What a good recap. Yeah, we're, what a great we're good recap. at this. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk any Leipzig v. City? I caught the highlight to this one. I have maybe one bullet point, but I'll let you go first. Same. Not, nothing too big. Like City dominated the match. Only got one goal. Probably should have bagged a couple, which ended up being their downfall because Leipzig got a late goal. It's just tough because it feels like City do this every year. They just cave at some point and choke matches 
they should have been comfortably ahead and feeling confident they're going to move on after this game because they did dominate, but they just always shoot themselves in the foot. This is what happens every year, and this is why I never take them to be Champions League winners. One, because the odds are usually horrible at like plus 500, but two, they just capitulate, and it's sad to see, but Pep is not getting his Champions League ring. You can put that on the record right now and play it back for me when they do win it this year. All right, I want to see you take that bet at whatever minus numbers it is, just (laughs) as a lock. It's, uh, you know, it's picking up dimes in front of a steamroller. Shout out to long-term capital management. I digress. My point here is, Gavardiol, I freaking love the guy. He is a good defender instinctually, but also makes all types of arrays of passes around the field, whether to the front line or the safe outlet. Also, like just the body he has, his triangular shape, it's upside down, but he would have really done well at like Florida State University in the top frat there. There's still time, Yasko. <laughs> yeah, just for context, we're talking about Yasko Gavardiol, the Croatian center back. I think he's 20, 21, something like that. Yes. He plays for Leipzig. He's been an absolute stud. I, I think after six months there, there were already rumors of like clubs interested in him for 80 mil, which is absurd, but... Leipzig are going to get a quick return on this investment because he is one of the best center backs in Europe this year. Absolutely going in the summer for big money. But like you said, the most impressive part of his game is not only like, yes, he's defensively solid and he never fucks up, but his progressive carries, passes, like passes into the final third. He excels in all of that. He just gets the ball up the field for the team and kicks beautiful long balls. I mean, this guy has a silky left foot and whatever team gets him next is going to be very excited. Also worthy of a Gillette sponsorship. Don't know what markets they're trying to penetrate in Europe, but that guy keeps one of the best beards in the game at such a young age too. I don't want to make Mukoko-like allegations because not very wrinkled, but the beard's older than his days. Oh, for sure. I've heard Manscaped and Gillette are really duking it out right now <laughs> to get to get his signature. As they should be. Um, anything else on Champions League? Any other European thoughts? Did you take a bath this week and need to get out bath thoughts? No, no bath thoughts this week. Although I will try and get one in the next week and get some, some writing down. But I think this is a good place to wrap. We just wanted to talk European competitions. So excited that they're back. And I feel like we haven't done this in a little while with uh, the Champions League and Europa League. So just excited to watch these. I wish I wasn't working so much so that I could watch these in the middle of the day. But you take life as it comes. As you do. Off the chest, if needed. Could be worse for us, certainly. As for faking injuries, I think we've got a Foot Mob Updates episode coming out soon. That one's in the bank. And doing the first in-person interview, relegation scrap, next few weeks. A lot of shit happening at the bottom of the table, and we're excited to run it all down. So thanks again, everyone, for listening. Follow us on Twitter, at Faking Injuries. Like and subscribe. Download, undownload, redownload. Anything else, Charlie? That's it. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.